and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening to The Marriage Project, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. I'm Bethany. And I'm Chapo. And we're excited to be with you today. We are. So today is a good one because it's got a very um, exciting title. It sounds very important, doesn't it? Today, our title for this afternoon's episode is The Marriage Apocalypse. The Marriage Apocalypse. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's we're basically talking about conflict today um, and parts of conflict that can be cause further erosion and, and huge amounts of damage in a relationship. But that's not only your marriage relationship. Some of these... Ideas, can, principles. They can yeah. translate into your workplace. They yeah. can translate into your family, your sibling relationships, uh, any kind of relationship really where you have a person who has a different brain than you. Yeah, that's it. So some of the stuff that we talk about today will certainly apply outside of a marriage relationship and just in all relationships, but it certainly does apply to a marriage because it's at the inside of marriage where the stakes are the highest, That's where right. if these things aren't, I guess, counted or they're not given an antidote, which is the specific language that we're going to use, it can lead to destruction, or which for a marriage is eventually divorce. That's so, right. Which so is, yeah. What we're going to be talking to about today is the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which is language that John Gottman uses to signify parts of a relationship or parts of conflict that are really just going to flush your relationship down the toilet. That's right. Now, that's, the bad stuff. He's, he's borrowed that language. The yes. four horsemen of the apocalypse is biblical language from the book of Revelation. And we're not going to go too deeply into that because we'll leave that to uh, to Danny and, and Pete on looking up <laughs> yeah. on their prophetic show that they do here on Faith FM. But it's uh, the four horsemen represents the catastrophic events uh, and... and I guess things that are happening that is going to lead to the end. That's and right. So John Gottman borrows that idea of these four big catastrophic things that will eventually lead to an end. Look, before we go any further, because we've spoken about John Gottman a lot, but for anyone who has no idea who John Gottman is, who is John Gottman and why do we keep referring to him? Okay, so John Gottman is one of the leading world researchers on marriage and relationships and why they succeed and fail. And he has a maths background and he has a psychology background along with his wife as well. And together they have studied relationships. So as a mathematician, he thought there's got to be a reason why relationships end and some succeed. And what he did was he kind of did like a big brother house where he set up all these cameras and equipments and ways of measuring different things in your body, like your blood pressure, your heart rate. Um, they sweat on your palms yeah. and they had these people live in these houses for certain periods of time and they observed couples from newlywed over a few years of their marriage so they could see, well, what was the relationship between when they were newlywed to when they got divorced or okay. when they were newlywed to when they stayed together? And he sorted out the whole maths and the statistics behind staying together or not. Yeah. Um, okay. And right. so for him... This is one of his major things that he talks about is that there are four problems and if you don't get them out of your relationship, they are signs of the end. Right. Yeah. Okay. So and so that's what we're talking about today, the apocalypse the in your marriage. The four horsemen, the four problems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And if you have these things in your marriage, John Gottman has said that there is a 93% accuracy in that these things are going to predict divorce in your wow. relationship. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But each of these things, as I mentioned before, has an antidote. Yes. And so we're, not, we're going to... I guess, talk through and describe what these different horsemen look like, these different behaviours that can, you know, signal certain end, yep. but then also look at what the antidote is 
to, you know, slow that down or to stop that. Um, but we're also going to be bringing in the Word of God and yep. see how the Word of God relates to all these ideas and what the wisdom is in the Word of God as well. Exactly. Yeah. And like we said just a minute ago as well, that it doesn't have to be about a marriage situation, any conflict situation, any relationship where the stakes are high and you need to figure out how to love each other well and look after each other well. This is important stuff. And yeah. some of it's stuff that we learn from our childhood that we don't even realise that we're doing to each other. Yeah. 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 So, just let me get this straight. If we get these four things under control, no more conflict. We'll have zero conflict in our marriages. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I wish. Right. We'll have better conflict in our marriages. And the reality is that it's not about having no conflict. Because usually when there's no conflict, it means that somebody or both somebodies are not saying anything. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually really bad for you because you're holding on to it, which generates bitterness and resentment and those kinds of things, which are not great. Yeah, of course, um, my, I, I wasn't being genuine then in that question. So, <laughs> the, the, the goal in marriage is never to have no conflict. The no. goal is to have successful conflict and yes. to move through conflict well. That's right. With a good outcome. So, it's not about whether or not you have it, but it's about how you choose to treat your partner and how you engage with each other when you have a problem. Yeah, and it's yeah. about learning to to fight well. Yes. When you have a fight, how to do it well yeah. so that you can move past it in and it has yeah. a good outcome. Yeah. And I know from the work that we've done on our marriage chat that we can choose to have a fight or mm. we can choose to have a conversation yeah. and the end results are going to be super different in yeah. those two situations. I gotta, speaking about choosing to have a fight, just as a side. Do you want to choose to have a fight right now? No, I don't want to choose everyone. to have a fight right okay. now. But I did. Um, remember that time we had that big fight in the car and it was like a four-hour drive and it felt like it was over in no time and we just realised <laughs> that, hey, Conflict is good on long drives because it makes the trip go fast. It might then, make you crash. I don't think we should well, advise this. No, but then, by anyone. the end of it, we were very unhappy, but we were, <laughs> but we were there in no time at all. So I don't know why, but in my mind, like maybe in our re- early relationship history, the car was always the place where we had those conflict conversations. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't remember where we were going. I don't remember what we were talking about, but I remember being really sad yeah. in the car. <laughs> uh, yep. So, let's get into it. Let's talk about- I'm sure we're not the only ones. <laughs> let's talk about when we come up with differences, how to deal with that. So, okay, so I, the- I've got a really great um, analogy, actually. Okay. When you first get married, it's usually pretty rosy. It's pretty beautiful, isn't it? And you love each other, you're nice to each other all the time, most of the time. Super considerate. Yeah. yeah. But over time, it becomes more difficult to hold one another in that space of love as a married couple. And I was just thinking about it in terms of buying a house. When you first buy a house, there might be a a few glitches or it might not be exactly your dream home or maybe Mm. it is, but you're really excited because you're moving in somewhere, you're owning something, it becomes yours and you're like, fantastic, I can't believe I've just spent the most money I've ever spent in my whole life on this thing. And it's not until you move into the house that you realise that a little bit of the paint is peeling on the walls. It's not until you move into the house and you've lived there for a couple of months and you experience your first rainstorm that you realise, whoa, there's a drip here that needs attending to. Yeah, be- you can- and you say that because there is a drip in our kitchen that I still haven't fixed. What a great analogy. What a there great is, analogy, yeah. There, there are problems in our house because yep. it's an older house that we've purchased. That's right. And that's the reality of your relationship as well. Over time and having lived in that relationship, you can notice flaws or things that need fixing Yes, and you can choose to ignore them, sweep them under the carpet, hope that they don't fall over, 
Or you can leave them and they can erode over time yeah. as well. Yeah. Or you could also set them on fire, which is what some people do <laughs> metaphorically in their relationships when they do some of these four horsemen behaviours. Yeah, they just yeah. go full crazy. You know, while we're running with this house analogy, <laughs> yeah. I just, for anyone who is not married yet but planning to be married soon, that's a good opportunity to talk up the benefit of premarital counselling, just doing something so before. Much. Because when you go to buy a house, you go and get a pest and building report and it gives you a heads up into what are some of the problems that you're going to run into, what are the things where there's issues where you're going to have to spend money or you're going to have to work on, which is premarital counselling is done well. It gives you that heads up into these are some areas where we're going to have conflict. These are some areas where our family of origins were very different. This is some stuff that we need to be aware of moving forward. So yeah. um, I was just running with your analogy there. And the if you're looking for somebody to be able to do that with, um, a lot of local church pastors have done a bit of prepare and rich training where yep. they can take you through a survey where they can – um, sort of let you know which areas are going to be areas of conflict in your relationship. If you want to go further than that, a Gottman-trained therapist can also do an extensive lot of surveys with you that really highlight a lot of things about your relationship, your yep. history, and your future together, and I recommend either of those options. So pursue that locally yep. near you. Do a bit of a Google search. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, back to your analogy. You buy a house, you move into it, and you start realising, oh, hang on. Didn't realise that it was going to be quite like this. That's right. So, the four horsemen. Yeah. So, the four horsemen. Let's get straight into it. We'll start with the first one. Yeah. What's yeah. the first horseman the of first one the marriage apocalypse? Is criticism. <coughs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> criticism. It is different to a complaint or a critique against your partner. Criticism does what? Uh, what does it do? It attacks a person. It attacks a person. Yeah. Have you ever been criticised? I have been criticised. How did it feel? Oh, it feels pretty ordinary. You feel pretty attacked, don't you? Yeah. You feel pretty unsafe. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, to give you an example, who are listening- I feel, I feel like sometimes as a pastor, like it, it's it's a, it's a part of the job. <laughs> it's the daily. You've got to armour up and yeah. go in. <laughs> so, an example of that is a complaint might be- I was scared when you were running late and you didn't call me. Okay, thought, no, so, so this is an example of a complaint. This is an example of a complaint. Compared so, to a criticism. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to complain to you right now. Yes. I was scared when you were running late and you didn't call me. I thought that we'd agreed that you'd call me if you were running late. Right. Criticism. Yep. You never think about how your behaviour is affecting another person. I can't believe you are so forgetful. It's actually because you are so selfish. You never think of others. You never think of me. Do you have any idea what I was going through when you didn't call? Right. A little bit different. Same. A little bit different. Also, same problem. Yeah, peeking out the mics as well. So really? The, yeah, oh, yeah. So, so criticism fake is, yelling worse is too loud for radio you gear than, uh, <laughs> than complaints are, which is good to know. And imagine how much worse it is for human ears. And the human heart the of human your partner heart. who is behind those ears when you speak to them in that way yeah. as well. So, what happens when you're criticised? What does it do? In- what does it do to your partner? Yeah. It makes them feel rejected. It okay. makes them feel like um, they are hurt, they've been attacked, yep. that they're not loved by you. Okay. Is that a way that you want your partner to feel? No. I don't think so. I think that most people don't want their partner to feel that way. Well, we need to look at some scripture yes. about this, but before we do, we need to take a quick break. All right. All right. We'll be back soon. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another and you come and I give to you. For this everyone will know that you are my disciples. For this everyone will know. 
Well, welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM and you have tuned into The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo. And we have been talking about the marriage apocalypse, how uh, John Gottman in his work has identified four horsemen of the apocalypse and how that relates to marriage, and which is four specific behaviours that will lead to an erosion of a relationship. And we've been talking about criticism, how criticism is uh, the first of those horsemen and how criticism can lead to people feeling rejected and hurt and shut down and attacked and how we need to identify what is the difference between making a complaint of someone that we love and care about as opposed to criticizing them. That's right. So I want to take you for a moment into the Bible and what does the Bible say about the way that we talk to each other when we have problems? I really like this one. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Criticism doesn't give grace to your listening partner. Yeah. It gives your partner an attack yeah. and it assaults their ears and it assaults their heart and their emotions. Nor does it build up. Whereas a complaint, there is the opportunity to build up. A complaint is like, hey, this wasn't okay for me, this hurt me, is there a chance we can do things differently? That's a complaint with the opportunity to build someone up. But a a, a criticism is an attack. You don't care. You don't listen. You don't understand. You always do this. Why wouldn't you just think to do it another way? What is wrong with you? And it's, yeah, there's no opportunity for someone to be built up in that experience. That's right. It's a tearing down of a person. And each of these four behaviours that we're going to look at today are all Things that just completely shut down the back and forth part of a conversation, things that shut down any dialogue, any interaction, any room for growth. And basically when it comes to a conflict or an upset or a problem or an emotion that needs to get addressed in your relationship, you want to have room for growth. You want to have room for conversation, engagement, and the ability to move forward. But when you engage in these behaviours, you shut it down and that's why you can't move forward in your conversation. So that idea of building up versus tearing down. I had a friend and she told me this great analogy that I always say to our kids. And there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who, when you're building a block tower, come along and say, hey, here's a great block. Why don't you use this? Let me help you. Let's see if we can make it taller. Right. Or there's other people who come along and they just lay the boot into your block tower and they kick it over and then they laugh when you cry. And I always tell the kids to be the person who builds somebody else's tower, but also to avoid the people who knock your tower down. You can choose who you want to spend your time with. And that is kindergarten logic. Yeah. My five-year-old came home, our five-year-old came home (laughs) with a picture that said, I'm a bucket filler. And they've been learning about how to fill each other's buckets, how to use kindness and behaviors that are filling up the other person's bucket rather than emptying it out, rather than tearing them down. And um, we learned that in kindergarten, right? Yeah. But I think over time in marriage, we forget. And maybe we assume that the other person should have those basic skills from kindergarten, but maybe they don't as yeah. well. And look, through all this conversation, I'd really like to be encouraging people not to think about these things that we're talking about and trying to find the ways in their partner where these things are exhibited. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He's always so critical. Oh, she is always so, and you know, 
with the rest that we'll talk about. Yes, um, but how rather easy is it to do that? Search yourself. Search yourself and try to think, have I been behaving this way? Am I responsible for functioning in a way that could be deteriorating something that I really want to preserve and build up? That's true. That so, is so true. What's the antidote for criticism? So the antidote is a gentle startup. Criticism is an attack. Criticism is a harsh startup. It's a harsh way of starting a conversation. It's a harsh way of talking to your partner about getting your needs met. So a gentle startup uses a lot of I statements, which feels really weird when you first start using them. Can I just say that? Especially yeah. if you're not a person who's used to voicing their needs or their emotions. And the I statements, so instead of saying, you always forget to get the milk at the shops, you can say, I feel that you... No, that's not <laughs> <Yeah>. either. <laughs> try again, try okay. again. I feel really hard done by and I really struggle when there's no milk in the house and I really need milk. Right. Next time you're at the shop, could you please remember to get some milk? Is that better? It's better. And like I said, it's really hard to think of those I statements, but I statements basically ask yourself, what do I feel about this situation or this need and what do I need about this situation or this emotion as As opposed to what do I not like about the way this person is behaving. So rather than, yeah. Yeah, critiquing those things. Don't focus on them, focus on you. So what do I feel and what do I need? Because underneath that attack is you trying to get your needs met in a hostile way. Yeah. So getting them met in a gentle way is what do I feel, what do I need? Yeah. And the worst thing about criticism. What is the worst thing? Is that over time... It gets bigger and it leads into something called contempt, which is the next of the four horses. Now, how does it lead to contempt? As in the person who is being criticised will eventually feel contempt towards the other person? The or person the pers- who is the criticiser will yes. change their perception of their loved one in their own right. mind. So, if they continually are in the habit of regularly criticising the other person, it will shift the way they think about it and it will yeah. go from love to, well, contempt is basically hatred. Contempt is basically hatred. And John Gottman says that out of the four, contempt is the worst. It's the big one. It is the, if you have this, you can't survive. Your marriage can't survive. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's pretty absolute huge. Poison. It is absolute poison. Because how can you share a bed with? How can you share a home with? How can you build a life with someone who hates you? Or vice mm. versa, someone that you hate. Yeah. Someone that you don't like. It kind of reminds me, actually, when I was pregnant with our third child, I had this really weird hormonal thing that I had not had with any of our other children. Do you remember what it was? Oh, I feel like I should. I couldn't stand the smell of your skin. Oh, that's right. It made me not want to be around you at all. There was all other (laughs) stuff you couldn't stand the smell of before, but that's right. Yeah, it was my skin. I'd never experienced that um, beforehand, and it just made me feel like I don't want to be near you. I don't want to sit next to you. I don't want to see you, and I I really struggled with it. Yeah, it's it's really bringing up some emotion for me right here too because I'm a pretty clean guy. Like I'm not not a stinky man. You know, I don't know what it was. Yeah, It was just like... You, the, your skin smelled in a way that offended my pregnant nose. And if anyone yeah. out there's been pregnant, then you will understand that it is a really weird hormonal space to be in and you experience things that you've never experienced in your life. But it definitely, over time, built up into a certain set of emotions and a certain set of responses. And that's what criticism can do. It can build up into a certain way of thinking about and relating to your partner. Right. And contempt means that you modelling hatred towards your partner. So you can be mean, you can be rude, you can have disrespect when you approach your partner, you can be sarcastic in the way that you speak to them, ridiculing 
yep. mocking. It um, There's things like mimicking them or talking back to them or making light of the way that they speak to you, rolling your eyes when they speak to you, all of those sorts of behaviours. All those behaviors. sorts of things which leave you just feeling completely worthless, unloved, not equal to your partner, just, mm. yeah, just... And how does that feel living with somebody who despises you? Yeah. Yeah. Really not, horrible. Not a great place to be in your relationship. Yeah. And if you have this in your relationship... I want you to know that there is an antidote and that you can start putting things into practice to fix it as yep. well. Um, so a, a, a picture of contempt is this is a common one with us. This is a common one with lots of other couples yeah. is that um, that moment in the day where you come home mm-hmm. and you've been in two different spaces. One person's been in the home space and one person has been in the workspace. Work and if there are children involved, there's different kinds of responsibilities that have been had throughout the day. There's a different kind of tiredness that's come throughout the day and both partners are coming towards each other with a whole lot of need a and lot. a whole lot of exhaustion yeah. and a whole lot of asking for help. Yes. But also both partners are un- unable to meet each other's yeah. needs and in also that the, moment. Because there's, there's an expectation. Like I'll be yes. driving home thinking, oh, once I'm home... I'm off duty. I'm. I can drop my guard down because Bethany's going to be there to look after me, and, and, and she'll take care of the kids. Meanwhile, you're at home. I've been trying to cook dinner while trying to clean up somebody's poop, while also trying to help someone with a craft project, which basically means not letting them glue things that they shouldn't be gluing to something else. And I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like. Only one more hour of this, yeah. and then you walk through the door, and I have sweet relief yeah, that's from right. the, from this day, um, and I've got back up, and I finally got my person, and then rather, and even though we're both hopeful walking into the household, when we meet, we're not treating one another with hope and joy, we're treating one another with um, screaming for our needs to be yes. met from the other person. Yeah, that's right. And so, a contemptuous way of treating your partner from the, the person who's been at home yeah. perspective, it might be you think you're tired. Do you have any idea the kind of day that I have had? And you come in here and you don't want to help with the kids or you don't want to help me make dinner, you don't want to help do anything, you want to go to the room and play video games. I don't need another child right now. I need an adult. I need help. Yep. You are plain lazy. I, I don't play video games, but no, just for anyone. Right. <laughs> so that was just a an example, yeah. not from our own relationship, yeah. but a made up one from my mind that <laughs> people could have experienced in that scenario. Yeah. So rather than asking for help or saying, "Hey, hun, I need this from you," you're calling your partner childish. You're calling your partner lazy, and you're telling them that they always behave in this way, yeah. and that you hate them because of it. That's right. Yeah. So we need to know what the antidote is to this. All right. But before we can get to the antidote, we need to take a break. Okay. Antidote after the break. Our team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your community, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Keep in touch with vulnerable members of your community like grandparents or new mothers and see if there's something you can do to help them with simple things like picking up some groceries, collecting the mail or dropping off some meals. Little things like this make a huge difference to someone living in isolation or quarantine. Welcome back to Faith FM and the Marriage Project with Chapo and Bethany. We're talking today about the four horsemen of the apocalypse in your marriage. Apocalyptic marriages. That's right. If you're about to reach the end and you're having a crash landing. Yep. So we talked about criticism and now we've been talking about contempt, which is essentially when the criticism develops into almost hatred towards the other person, a very strong dislike. Yeah. And we need to know the antidote. What is the antidote to contempt within a marriage or any relationship? 
just like contempt is built over time, yes. the antidote is also built over time as well. And it's building a culture of appreciation and respect with your partner. Okay, so respect and appreciation is yeah. the antidote to contempt. But yeah. how is that known and seen? That, that's yeah. the thing. It, it takes time for that to be recognised and under, understood that this is what's changed. This exactly. Is what's yeah. And the way that John Gottman talks about that is he talks about it as being small things that we do often for our partner, to our partner, the way that we speak to our partner. Um, there's a there's a study that's been done and it's called the magic five to one ratio. Have you heard of that one? I haven't. So when there is a negative interaction in yes. a relationship, and this is any relationship, not just a marriage relationship, when there's a negative interaction for every one negative, you need five positive interactions to counteract that. Yeah, okay. And so thinking about that with your partner. So if you're in a place of criticism, then think about, well, oh, I said that one thing. How can I do five things that are great? For my partner. Yeah. How can I do five lovely things? That's huge. That's a lot, hey. It's a big list. Like 10 horrible things to your partner in a day. It's 50 good things you got to say. Like, you, you got to put the work in. Yeah, well, I've never thought about it that way. Like, if you're a mathematical or transactional kind of person, like, you might be thinking, whoa, that's a significant debt that I'm building up here. I don't want to say too many bad things. i got to be a nice spouse in yeah. this situation. Yeah, true. <laughs> All right, do you want to read the Bible verse for the next one here? Yeah. It's Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. Okay. So, Proverbs 10 verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up conflict. But love covers over all wrongs. Mm, love okay. covers over all wrongs. So, yeah, again, it's, again, it's that putting love into practice, putting kindness into practice, respect and appreciation into practice often to counteract the times when you have not been as loving or yeah. as compassionate or as respectful. I love the way Brene Brown puts it. She has a whole chapter in one of her books and the chapter is called People Are Hard to Hate Close Up, Move In. Right. And I think that's just so beautiful because when you get to know somebody, and I guess that's the whole premise of dating, is that you get to know somebody and you get to do all those sorts of things that invest in your relationship and over time you lose those because you take them for granted as well. Um, and so, that applies to so much bigger than just a marriage as well. Like, yeah. Think about what's happening politically in the world right now um, and all of the hate that's being thrown back and forth between different groups of people. Yeah. If we moved in, if we were closer to one another and actually understood people, things might be very different. Yeah, you know, and you can scream things from the other side of the room that you might not scream when you're holding hands. When you're holding hands. And that's something we often tell people is, is if you're fighting, if you're struggling to do conflict well, when you need to have one of those horrible discussions that, that you need to have sometimes as a, as a couple, hold hands while you're doing it because it's hard to be aggressive towards one another and to be uh, contemptuous towards one another when you're holding hands. Yeah. And I would say as well that considering that contempt is the worst and the biggest of all of these problems, if you see that that's something that you've developed in your relationship, now is the time to seek outside help. Okay. Yeah. And I would say even if you have any of these four things in your relationship, work on the antidotes yourself, but also think about how can I do things that invest in my marriage as well? How can I get a bit of training, get a bit of counselling, read some books that are going to help me to love my partner better. Yeah. Set yourself a few challenges of loving. Maybe you can do a little list and you can tick boxes of how many times you've done something lovely for your partner Speaking that day. Speaking of challenges, I have ordered the um, the date night in a box. Oh, yeah. Pack, but it hasn't arrived yet, so we can't talk about that this week. Yeah. So last week we talked about dating and we talked about how when you are dating, you do all those lovely things yeah. for each other. And that's basically 
what it means to build a culture of appreciation, respect yeah. with your partner is getting to know one another, getting to understand one another and practicing filling up your partner's bucket. Be a bucket filler. Practice that kindergarten <laughs> yeah, logic. That's right. So, look, the next, so that's number two. So, number three of the four horsemen is defensiveness. Which I would like to say is probably the one that I'm the best at. The, Can you get a prize for that? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. You don't because we don't want to win at any of these. No, but yeah. I will say that defensiveness is something that I have learned in my childhood behaviour and I have had to work on over the history of our relationship, yes. but also on myself as a person um, through therapy as well. Yeah. And um, and I think it, it really helps me to be a better person as well. Before we go further into defensiveness, I just mm-hmm. think it's important to understand because, like you said, this is something that's uh, – it's been something that you've noticed has been an issue for you for a long time since your childhood. So, n- without any surprise, it's become an issue in our marriage as well. And these four things that we're talking about don't – necessarily have to be something that just automatically arises once you're in a marriage relationship. These are things that could be, could have been an issue for you for a long time. They're behaviors that you struggle with that are not productive to healthy relationships. And they're going to become an issue in your marriage just because it's part of who you are and how you deal with conflict and how you've been conditioned to deal with conflict. So therefore it's, all the more important to recognize it and own it so that you can try to establish new behaviors. That's right. Super, yeah. Because as a child, you don't have the ability to frame those emotional experiences that you encounter. But as an adult, you can take a breath and you can remove yourself and you can go, okay, how can I approach this better? What does it mean? But as a child, you automatically just label those with certain emotional meanings that might not actually be true for the experience that you're going through. And especially if you've got a childhood that's got trauma, in the background there as yeah. well, it's really important to figure out yourself so that you can be well in a relationship with somebody else as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. So, back to defensiveness. What right. does defensiveness look like? Back to defensiveness. Defensiveness is usually a response to criticism. Right. Whether the other partner is actually criticizing or whether the partner feels criticized, yes. they get defensive. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because it's always present in a relationship that's on the rocks, in a relationship that's not doing great. Yeah. You'd notice it more. As in one partner is feeling criticized a lot of the time, whether or not the other partner is criticizing. So, an example might be- Yeah, we need an example. Going back to that coming home at the end of the day example, one partner walks in and puts their keys on the table in a slamming fashion and goes, oh, the other partner is standing in the room and just flares up and goes- that's it. I'm sick of you treating me like this. This is ridiculous. I can't believe that you would have that attitude to me. Do you know how hard I've been working all day? And it ends up with one person being locked out of the house and one person throwing things. And you think, oh my goodness, how did we get here? We just, you just put the keys on the table. Right. Um, and that's what defensiveness does. It's building those walls up. It's building that attack. It's shifting that blame back onto your other partner. It's trying to keep yourself safe yeah. when you're feeling attacked. But it can happen even without criticism. In it, you could be having a discussion right. and instead of hearing the other person, you're stockpiling ammunition of what am I going to throw back when it's my turn to talk next. Uh, yes. You're not actually hearing the person is not being understood or heard. They are not recognizing that you are acknowledging how they feel because the person who's defensive is just gathering up all of their arguments about why they are not wrong in this situation. Yeah. And when we get to that point in our relationship where things are rocky, then 
both partners are constantly on edge around one another yeah. as well. And going back to that contempt as well is we can actually reframe some of our past experiences in a negative way if we've been in a negative space for That's so long really as well. really interesting. It's fascinating, um, isn't it? Oh, it was something I read a while ago. You might actually know exactly where it is. Or it happens what with is depression it? as well, but it happens in relationships is that so, yeah, you well, have well, with depression, for, like from my experience, with depression, you can get to the point when you have been depressed like experiencing deep depression for a significant amount of time that you forget what it felt like to not be depressed. Mm-hmm. And then, and therefore you think that there will never be a time in the future where you won't be depressed, where yeah. you just, everything else goes and you, all your memories are just bleak and gray and your hope for the future is the same in a marriage. It same. Can, it once yeah. these things become present, you almost reframe the past based on the way that you feel at the moment. So yeah. all of those wonderful experiences, those joyful times together, those little cute moments, those spontaneous moments, they all get forgotten and all you remember is the bad stuff and you almost rewrite the story That's to right. fit that negative narrative. Yeah. Now, everyone would have a really hilarious thing that went wrong on their wedding day, oh, but yeah, people who are in that frame <laughs> of mind can't remember any of the good things that happened on their wedding day. And if you ask them about their wedding day, they'll just list off all of the things that happened that went wrong. Right. Or if you ask them to paint a picture of when they're old and grey with their spouse, they might say, oh, it's going to be exactly like it is right now because they can't think of it not being exactly like it is right now. Yeah. And they can't think of us as, as retirees and what we're going to do and what we're going to get up to. Yeah. So it really casts a shadow on the future and the past in your relationship as well. Yeah. So it's really important that we practice these antidotes so that we can do well by one another and we can, because it changes our past and it changes our future. Yeah. Do you, what, because we, we had a whole bunch of blunders on our wedding day. Like it was a comedy <laughs> of errors, all the different things that went wrong. What's oh one of the goodness. good things you remember about our wedding day? Well, it's one of the good, my favourite thing, and it's my favourite picture from our wedding day as well, is your face when I was walking down the aisle. Yeah. Like that was just so lovely. That was really cool. Yeah. That was a very special memory. Yeah. Do you know what one of mine is? Yeah. Oh, the second to that. Yeah. This that, is a good one, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. That <laughs> sick burnout I did in the car park <laughs> of our reception venue. We got a picture of it, me and my Commodore, smoke going everywhere, tin cans behind. That was pretty cool, hey? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really loved my dress. I felt really beautiful. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. We can maybe we can have some re- some remembering moments. Yeah. That's so cool. we need to talk about the antidotes to yes. defensiveness. But all right. Do you we do we need to talk about more well, about what defensiveness is? Oh, probably. Or do we already? But we need to take a break. Okay. So when we come back, we can talk more about that. Break time. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And fighting our 
can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Yeah, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Oh, who can stop the Lord? Our God is a lion, a lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And that song called? It's easy to find out. Download the free Faith FM app for your smartphone or tablet to see our full daily schedule of programs and music. Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo. Today we're talking about apocalyptic marriages. When your relationship has gotten to the point where it's starting to look super destructive and it's near to the end, the behaviours that are part of that relationship and how to fix them or how to combat them as well. So, where we left off, we were talking about defensiveness. Defensiveness is my go-to conflict mode. Right. Personally. And it's something that I've had to work on over time. And you were talking earlier in the show about all those car trips, I can remember feeling sad and just building my defences ready for the next time that I got to be able to speak in those situations as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe you can remember me being defensive and you thinking, oh, my goodness, why is she being like this (laughs) as well? Defensiveness. Where is this coming from? (laughs) Defensiveness doesn't help. When your partner is expressing their needs to you or trying to have a conversation with you or bring up something, defensiveness escalates the conflict. So, if you criticise me and I'm defensive and then you feel more critical because I was defensive and then I feel more defensive because you were critical and then we we sort of snowball, right? Because when we get defensive, we're telling our partner that we're not taking their concerns seriously. Yes. And that we're not willing to take responsibility for our part in the problem. Yeah, we're just defending our position exactly. and why we were never wrong in the first place. And it's even a way of shifting the blame. It's okay. digging a hole, sort of saying, I'm trying to f- find as much dirt as I can to throw back at the other yeah. person. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a Bible verse. Okay. It's in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. I've just got to flick there for a sec. Does Paul talk much about marriage in Romans? I can't remember. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Romans is a letter to... He talks a lot about grace. Grace. It's a the lot grace about Jesus. book of the Bible. It's beautiful. But again, I was just I was trying to lead you into that idea that we spoke about the other week where just because something isn't specifically about marriage, if it's a behaviour that Christians are called to in the way we relate to other Christians and other people, it also relates to our marriage. I thought I was a pop quiz. <laughs> no. I got real nervous. <laughs> Maybe that was me feeling defensive no, in that I was, moment. I was trying to set you up for a slam dunk, huh? I was just like... Okay, yeah. but I do have Romans 12 verse 10. Okay. 
love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. How cool is that? Yeah. I read it in a different translation before, but I really like that. Outdo one another in showing honour. How beautiful is that? Yeah. Um, it's really important to honour our partner. And when we try and shift the blame back onto them and we don't take responsibility for our own flaws, yes. then we're not honouring them. And when we're trying we're to gather ammunition well. to, yeah. to respond in an attack, yeah. Exactly. And so you might say, hey, hun, you've taken my car keys again. And instead of saying, yeah, but I need them and I, I, you don't understand what it's like to have all the kids in the car and I can't handle this and I need the car keys so I just grab them and I just go because I'm in a hurry. I can say, yeah, you're right. This sounds very familiar. <laughs> I took the car keys and I know that it upsets you. Yeah. And it wasn't kind of me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so instead of... Shifting the blame, I can take responsibility rather okay. than building up my defences and building up my counter-attack right. towards you. Yes. And I, I just love that idea of the fact that love and affection is played out in honour in the way that we honour yeah, one cool. another as yeah. followers of Jesus, and I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. And that's not just in a marriage situation. That's in any situation where we Well, that's the thing, because it's in Romans and the context is where he's speaking and who he's speaking to is calling that to, to believers. But behave in this way with other human beings who are formed in the image of God. Mm. Behave in this way. But how much more or equally or as important is it that we are modelling this in the relationship where we see Christ's love for humanity models? You know, mm. love your wife, just Christ love the church. We need to make sure that this Christian behaviour, these grace principles that we're called to is firm and strong in our homes. Yeah, absolutely. And to think about when you come into a conflict situation, if the goal is to honour the other person rather than to be right, yeah, totally different goal in conflict as well. So what is the antidote for defensiveness? The antidote to defensiveness is to take responsibility in that situation for your part in the problem. Right. And it's as simple and as difficult as that. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. Well, as simple and as difficult. <laughs> accept right. your partner's perspectives, offer apology for anything that you've done wrong, yep. and accept responsibility for the part that you played in hurting their feelings or making a bad choice or whatever it may be. That's right. Hmm. Well, that's three of the four. Yep. What is the fourth horseman of the apocalypse? The fourth horseman is stonewalling. Stonewalling. Now, that's an odd title for a behaviour. Yes. What is stonewalling? So, stonewalling is withdrawing to avoid conflict. Okay. Yes. Shutting down. Shutting down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stopping responding. Not talking anymore. Have you ever known a, one what? party to stop talking to the other party? Women do this often to men. Yeah, we call it the silent treatment. The silent treatment where, oh, I'm just going to stop talking to to him until he figures out what the problem is and then he's going to change his behaviour. So, some sort of weird... Because that works really well. (laughs) Some sort of weird punishment that I've never really understood. Maybe it's because I have more words than the average person and and silent treatment (laughs) would be torture for myself as well as my spouse. Um, Maybe it would be a holiday for you. I don't know. Um, (laughs) No, dear. I love your words. (laughs) Thanks. And I'm always saying to the kids when they're struggling with something that's big emotionally, use your words. Yeah. You well, your word's important. You know, like, it, you can stonewall without not speaking as well. That's I, true. I know that something that we are not a fan of in our home is the yes, dear response, which is, in a sense, just shutting down and not actually caring, but just acknowledging without really acknowledging. Mm. Yes, dear. And again, it's doing something that 
stops the conversation from happening or stops yeah. it from moving forward. Yeah. Um, usually when somebody stonewalls, it's because it's a response to contempt, feeling hated, feeling unloved, feeling despised by their partner. Okay. And in response to that, they can literally leave. Just or, walk away? Yep. Yes. Or they can shut down and stop talking. Um, often men will do this leaving and men will do the retreating to a part of the house where the woman doesn't go like the man cave or oh, those right. sorts of images. So maybe a woman might be more prone to being present but just making a point of not saying anything, like being yeah. silent, whereas the man will more likely go, I'm out of here, I'm retreating, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going somewhere else to yeah. do something else that is and, not this. And that can also escalate when one person is trying to leave and the other person is trying to physically stop them from leaving. Right. And I can actually remember this happening with my sister when we were in our 20s and we were living together at uni and I can remember her- You're not in your 20s anymore? I know, right? (laughs) And I can remember her- We were having an argument about something that was pretty heated. Okay. And I can remember her- leaving, like walking away. And I can remember her being probably like 500 metres away and myself, and I didn't remember what we were arguing over, running after her going, you can't walk away from me. This conversation is not over. We ha-, like Because I wanted to get to a resolve. Yes. But what she had done to me made me feel like I couldn't get to that resolve in the argument or the, the conversation that we were having. Right. But I didn't realise that what I had done to her had made her so overwhelmed that she couldn't be in my presence anymore. Yeah. And that's what happens when one partner is stonewalling, is you are actually physiologically flooded and you are unable to have a (laughs) rational conversation in that moment. So, she was stonewalling because that's her thing. You were being defensive because that's your thing. (laughs) You had all this ammo that you had no one to throw at her. You're like, come back. I've got all these things to say that I've thought of. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Hey, look, um, we've got to take another quick break. And, yeah. But we need to wrap this up after the break and so that we get some resolve here. <laughs> talk about well, what is the antidote to stonewalling. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Faith FM. Ready for change? Woohoo! Keen to upskill. Further or change your career by pursuing postgraduate study at Avondale University College. Options range from graduate certificate to master's to PhD in nursing, teaching, education, leadership and management, lifestyle medicine and more. This is the career change you need in the course you want to study. Called to make a difference? Called to be at Avondale. Well, good afternoon and thanks for joining us. You are listening to Faith FM and you are here with Bethany and Chapo of The Marriage Project. And this afternoon we have been talking about the four horsemen of the marriage apocalypse. And we have talked about all four, which is criticism. Which is, oh, help me, I've forgotten the second one. Um, contempt. Contempt, which is defensiveness. And then lastly, stonewalling. And that's what we're still talking about is the that's idea right. of stonewalling. And I left you with the beautiful image of me chasing my sister down the road, trying to resolve a conflict situation that she was desperately trying to leave. To leave, yes. <laughs> and that is what stonewalling is, is when the other person is unable to engage in that conversation anymore. Yes, but it, not always because, like, you know. Sometimes it's more subtle. Sometimes it's more passive. Like, yeah, you could and just. Sometimes you can shut someone out for days and just give them the silent treatment because it's your way of punishing them, which is also stonewalling. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's when it, be, when it's got those physiological signs that it's really dangerous in a conflict situation in a couple as well. Right. So those signs like your palms are sweating, your heartbeats escalating, your face is turning red, your breathing goes shallow. 
you're in fight or flight. Yes. You cannot have a conversation. You cannot resolve a conflict when you're in that space. Okay. And when Gottman was doing his little big brother house and watching couples, they actually would interrupt when a couple got into this state when because they had all these monitors to check how their oxygen oh, yeah. was and how their hearts were going. And what they would do is they would say, hey, guys, we just need to adjust our equipment. We just need to fix the cameras or the microphones. Take a bathroom break if you need to. Come back in 15 minutes. And what that would do was actually – and then they'd say, sit down, start off where we left off. Yeah. And they were back in the space where they could have that conversation again. So – if you need to and you're in the middle of a serious conflict situation or a conversation, yeah, press pause. Press pause, take a break, but make sure that you agree on how long that time is going to be because three days is too long. Yeah. And especially if there's no engagement or no talking because it really hurts the partner who's been blocked out. Yes. That's and right. um, it's really important to do that. So something like reading, something like listening to music, deep breathing or exercise are things that are going to bring your physiological responses back down. And to yeah. soothe you. So this is the antidote. That's what right. Saying. So this is the antidote to stonewalling. The antidote is, is self-soothing. Self-soothing. So yeah. pressing pause. That's right. But making sure you come back. Yeah. And yeah. so you need to figure out what it is for you that helps you to calm down. Sometimes it's as simple as breathing. Sometimes it's simple as listening to the song. Sometimes just going for, so a, for a walk, walk four around times the around the house. Or house. chopping some firewood or something like that. But getting back to a place where you can once again presently engage in that discussion so you can resolve the conflict. That's right, to move yeah. forward. And the other thing to remember is when you're taking that break, to avoid righteous indignation, to avoid feeling sorry for yourself and hating the other person in yeah, that moment so as right, well. They're going, yeah, this is terrible. Why is I'm always the bad guy? Or I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I don't have to put up with this. Yeah. She's always attacking me. Yeah. I haven't done anything so wrong. So what should, what should your self-talk be instead? If you're taking a break, you press pause on this conflict you're having because it's not working out, you've, you've gone to have some solitude for 15 minutes, what do you tell yourself in that time? I would say focus on the calming activity and actually just try and banish any thoughts about the conversation. So you're not trying to build ammunition in that moment. You're not trying to um, feel sorry for yourself in that moment. You're trying to feel calm in okay. that moment, and that's yeah. the goal. Does that help yeah yeah I think okay it's cool. Cool. yeah so sure. we didn't have any more bible wisdom but the bible has a lot of beautiful wisdom of how to relate to people and often it talks about grace and the way that we relate that god relates to us that we should also treat other people in yeah, like manner. the bible tells us not to let your son go down don't let the sun go down on your anger oh, that's a good um, one. which is a good one which relates to stonewalling which is that mm. idea of shutting someone down and not resolving a conflict yeah um yeah, and es escaping from yeah. the situation. But if it's a an agreed space and you get to the point where you say, I can't do this, I'm not coping, Yeah. can we rest and can we talk about it first thing in the morning and, and we'll have a cuppa and we'll sit down? Yeah. If you've agreed on that time frame, then that's a safe thing to do in your relationship as well. Yeah, and again, look, I just want to reiterate what I think is a really important thing to say, which is a marriage without conflict doesn't exist. You know, if you mm. think because there is conflict in your marriage that your marriage is terrible and it's flawed, and it, that's not what it means, but it's about learning to do conflict well. If you are two different individuals, there will be conflict. Yeah. It's just, it is, there's no way around it. But Absolutely. it's figuring out how to do it well to have great outcomes and have a strong, long-lasting marriage. That's right. Yeah. And so if you've got any of these four horsemen in your relationship, if there is criticism, if there is contempt, if there is defensiveness or stonewalling, fight with all of your might to get them out of your relationship. Yeah. 
fight with all of your might to put your hand up and ask for help, to find ways to practice those antidotes, to find strategies to do better and to stop looking for them in your partner and start searching in yourself how yeah. you can be a better partner to your spouse Yeah, and well. I think it's really important. Um, and this is just the way I relate to anything as a pastoral conversation is instead of focusing on the sin that you want to avoid, focus on the good that you want to achieve. Do you know, like, um, run from these bad things by running towards something that is better. So run from criticism by running towards gentle startups, be conscious about thinking, how can I practice a gentle startup? How, how fervently and frequently am I praying that my words and my actions and my, my role in conflict is going to be more beneficial for our relationship and more in line with honoring Jesus Christ in in the way that we relate to one another. And that's right. And when you're thinking about, I want to talk to my partner about, X, Y, Z, how can I approach them with love? How can I approach them with honour and kindness? How can I say what I need and not attack them and rip them to shreds getting it? Um, The other thing, and Google that as well, Google I statements, if you're having trouble with framing those, just to read something and to get your head around it. Build a culture of appreciation in your marriage and respect. Do those little fun things that you used to do when you were dating and you would liked each other and you were trying to get the other person to like you because that's kindergarten logic of how to build relationships. That's a cool idea. What? Yeah. Think about the things that you used to do when you were trying to get the person to like you. (laughs) Start doing those again. That's cool. Take responsibility and don't get defensive when your partner has a problem. Yeah. Figure out how you can acknowledge their needs and still love them and honour them. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're struggling, don't shut your partner out. Calm yourself down and come back to it. Yeah, and those right. are the those are the main things there with it. It's time for us to wrap up. Thank you so much for sitting with us, for being present with us today. We so appreciate you right. being with us. Yeah, and we look forward to tuning in with you again next week.